Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hey, welcome everybody. It's the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Brian Christofferson. I'm joined by Michael Brunts. Good to see you, Michael. Um, it's been busy, and that's good. And it's good for Husker football because they're the recruits just keep coming. They, um, you know, last night on the radio, Trev Albert said the, the spring game, it's going to be a football game. And I got the impression he meant it's going to be an actual like, you know, they're going to really go after it. It's not going to be patty cake or anything like that. One reason could be because each side can have about 85 guys, I think. <laughs> each side is going to have about 60 scholarship guys to to throw into the mix. Yeah, um, yeah I, I I would uh, – I want, for one, would welcome a football game in this spring. I wouldn't hate that. Um but yeah, it's it's uh, another week. We're we're you know one one week away from. What are we calling the second national signing day? It's like the return, like signing day, the return. Like we, it's the sequel. Um, but we're a week away. Nebraska continues to add players and transfers. Um, we're getting up close to a deadline where they can no longer take both. Um, which seems to be about the only thing that's stopping this staff from adding players. But um, do we just want to quickly go through what happened this week for anybody that's had their head in the sand and kind of put it in the context, I think, of what what uh, this roster is going to look like, which mm-hmm. it seems like is shifting day to day. Yeah. By the way, the second signing day is like uh... – it's like a family get together where people bring different, um, you know, food items and someone's brought a dessert and it's, you know, it's not as good as someone else's, but you, you, they ask, what do you want? Do you ever, you ever had a thing where there's like three desserts and you feel like you got, how about a little of everything? You know, you got to say that. And this is the one that's maybe not quite as good as the other one. Uh, but you'll still eat it and maybe it's, it's pretty good still for, I mean, and it, it does obviously matter to the kids who are signing. I need to say that as well. So it's important to them. So the, so signing day is like the jello salad that, uh, you don't really want. <laughs> it's like the green, the green jello with like some orange slices in there. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's just not, it's not, not the best thing on the plate, but it's not the worst thing. It's, it's there and you'll eat it and uh, you're not going to complain about it, you know, because there's a, there's a boring uh, Detroit Lions game on in the background. Um, 
Lions are getting better. I know Lions fans. I, I'm sorry. Uh, but yes, there were some commitments. Let's get to that. Um, let's start with uh, Bob Wager's school, his old school, Arlington <laughs> the pi- the Martin. The pipeline, the Martin yeah. pipeline. Arlington Martin High School down in Texas, where the new Husker tight ends coach was the head man for 17 years. I just read a story about him, by the way, that's on the site, and he left a big impression down there. He, he, um, I think that's a really good hire rule made, and we'll see how it plays out. But Ismail Smith Flores, I always have to be careful. I don't uh, miss the name or, uh, you know, put it Flores Smith, uh, but did I do it right? Ismail Smith Flores. Yep, you nailed it. And Jeremiah Charles. Um, and both are really interesting, Bronze, because you've talked to Smith Flores more than I have, so I'll let you talk about him. But all are pretty new to the game, even though Smith Flores' dad was an Iowa legacy guy. Um, a very good player at Iowa. Yes, very good. He's in their Hall of Fame. Um but it's always seemed like after Nebraska became involved, like they were the team for him, even though there was that Iowa connection from his family. Uh, what say you about that one? Yeah. And, and you can speak to it after I do about just both of those guys. I mean, you, you've talked to the coaching staff down there, but very similar with, you know, Smith Flores was always a basketball guy um, who finally convinced his family to let him play football his senior year. He'd wanted to for a long time. Um, had a decent start to the year as recruitment started to take off. Iowa was definitely in it early. And I, I kind of got the sense from talking to him early on, you know, when Nebraska started getting involved after they'd hired Bob Wager was that I, I, I didn't get the sense that Iowa was a real threat, especially after he didn't sign in December. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rutgers had offered, he visited Rutgers. He had, I think two or three cousins that played, at Rutgers, there's one on the team now there. But I think the relationship with, with you know, Bob Wager certainly, you know, put Nebraska over the top. I mean, that, that's not breaking news there. But every time I talked to him, he'd, talk, he'd always say, you know, that's my guy. That's, you know, the guy that always looks out for me. Uh, you know, extra bonus, he's going to be your position coach. And he, he admits that he's a raw prospect. I mean, he's, he's played one year of, of football. It was a wide receiver. It wasn't even at tight end, but Nebraska is going to kind of flex him out. Uh, he told me after he committed, you know, that Marcus Satterfield is, is going to do a lot of 12 personnel, some 13 personnel um, as well. So mm-hmm. they're going to be leaning on the tight ends there. And, um, you know, I, I think he's a pretty good long-term prospect, good frame that you can put some weight on. Uh, and, and get just kind of developing him and, and get him comfortable with with uh, playing football because, like I said, I mean he, he's he's still by his own admission very very raw. Yeah, I was <clears throat> I was told by his position coach down at Arlington Martin that basically he could just body guys out. Like he had that. I mean, even though he's going to grow more into his frame, he was already at the high school level that type of guy where it's like he could bounce off guys and stuff. You know, like you just saw that potential uh, Bob Wager I mean he's had a ton of success coaching um, in Texas but also I think people need to know he's been involved with like the Under Armour game for like 10 years and was the head coach of that game just recently and so he knows what like top FBS guys look like and he coached Miles Garrett 
who was a number one draft pick too. So um, he has a, a resume that, that tells you that um, he's got a pretty good eye for like who can play at this level and who can't for anybody who's like, I don't know. These guys have only played one year. I understand that part of it, but that people got to get used to that bronze around here. Cause that rules staff, if they see enough on film and then you can put it with certain measurables, they're, they're going to say we can develop that. You, you mentioned, you know, talking to the position coaches down at Arlington Martin, I'm curious, what, what did they tell you about Jeremiah Charles? Cause I think he was a little bit more, a little bit more of that kind of off the radar prospect. And we, we didn't even have a profile for him yeah. at 24 seven sports before Nebraska offered. Um, what, what, what did you learn about him? And, and does he kind of fit that same mold of, uh, you know, Bryce Turner, Jalen Lloyd of a, a track guy with, with really great, uh, great long-term potential. Some of that, but what's interesting is Smith Flores kind of came on the radar around here like a few days beforehand because I think he, he got the first offer of the two. But people shouldn't confuse that. Jeremiah Charles is probably, according to the coach down there, maybe even a little less raw than Smith Flores. Um, I mean, they're both about the same as far as how much they've played. In Jeremiah Charles' case, he actually came out and played some his freshman year with his twin brother, Josiah. And uh, then Jeremiah stepped away and was going to focus more on basketball, which he's very good at. In fact, it's a great story, which we wrote about it last week. I'm not saying I had a great story, but the story itself is great of how he, um, he had 22 points, you know, four dunks, block shots when Matt Rule was in the gym, like last Tuesday or whenever it was, uh, and that Nebraska offered him after that. So he's a, he's a great basketball player, but his senior year, he's, he's like, I, I want to play football again. Um, and so they had a meeting with him, his twin brother and his mom and uh, talked about it and he got going in the spring. So that's his advantage over um, Smith Flores is that he had that extra time uh, to sort of work on some of the, you know, the finer points of, of being a receiver and all that. But yeah, he could just run past people. They said um, he's got a pretty strong triple jump. And I think he was a little injured last year, if I remember right. So he's probably going to go even further now um, with his triple jump numbers. And um, I think probably was on the cusp of some basketball type stuff too. You know, like he was a, in that AAU circuit and things like that. So he is really, the definition of a multi-sport athlete and um, just looked apart in front of rule. I, you could rule did his thing where he tweets, uh, you know, sort of uh, things, you know, coding where you got to figure out what it means. Emojis. Oh, that's what they call them. <laughs> <laughs> coding. <laughs> yeah. Those, those coding things, you know, emotions i'm getting so old so fast i gotta well, like fight against it. i your, should know that without in any... your in your defense i mean you, it's hard to <laughs> hard to do emojis when you're texting with the t9 so you you'd have to say i don't use a lot of emojis uh with with you not um, not a big emoji guy no i'm a haha guy over an lol guy though we could get into that sometime but, yeah um are you an lol or a ha-ha no we're team we're team haha okay good I feel like it's a little more, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyhow, coding, the coding that Matt Rule used, <laughs> he had some that night when he was in Arlington watching him play basketball. 
and those who uh, knew what was happening could figure it out. He was blown away by Jeremiah Charles and like his athletic ability. Um, we haven't talked to him about it. He couldn't say it. He can't say that on the record yet, but that that's what his, his coding led us to believe. His coding seemed to imply <laughs> that he has seen things he hadn't seen before. Um, so, I mean, both of, both of those guys, offensive skill players, we, I mean, Demetrius Bell, the same way, um, who committed yesterday is your, I mean, I don't, I'm not anticipating either of those guys from Martin stepping in right away and being counted on, but the way that Nebraska has kind of continued to add wide receivers and pass catchers since Marcus Satterfield said that he was looking for different body types and that that was an area of concern. What's your level of concern as we sit here on January 25th with what 16 scholarship wide receivers right now? And I don't even think that counts bets and Garcia Castaneda. Like, are you, is the, the status of Nebraska's wide receiver room keeping you up at night right now? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I like how you phrase that. Yeah. Um, I was watching old Mad Men episodes last night, so that's what was keeping me up. Um, but no, I, I do think what's interesting about it, first off, you know what is also not keeping me up? The numbers situation. Like, I know <laughs> you're, you're got, not just You're not just sitting there like, God, how, how are, are they going to get to 85, man? Yeah. Like, I don't care. They'll get there. You know, I is that a bad way to look at it as a reporter? I think in our no. neck of the woods, we get obsessed like, Oh man, 101 or whatever. And it's like that. I don't know. They're going to get there some way, somehow. I don't know what the new NIL thing, if you can construct creative ways to, I'm not sure on that. You know, that, that seems like it could be a possibility where you could have a few floaters that could be financially covered, you know, but we'll see. But anyway, there's going to be some guys who probably depart. There has to be, I guess, if you do the math and uh, we'll document it as it comes. So I'm not worried about that. And I'm not worried that there's a ton of wide receivers right now because it'll sort itself out. And I think that's what you have to do in this era of college football is you have to build as much competition as you can. I think that's what's happening in this first spring and like roll the ball out there. You can't really roll. It's not like basketball, but you know what I mean? Let it wobble out there and uh, let's uh, let's see who's got it and who doesn't. The thing I'd say is they have enough guys with, at least something on their resume at receiver that they should be okay. Like it shouldn't be a bad group. I mean, Marcus Washington is a quality college receiver. We know that Alante Brown is like a really good, like just football guy. We know that from like everything about his special teams involvement and all that stuff. He'll be useful. Um, Xavier Betts and Garcia Castaneda. If even one of those two, like just hits their stride, and if both of them hit it, well, you've got a lot solved right there. So I think they're going to be fine at that position. Uh, I don't want to act like they're great there yet. I don't think we should do that. Uh, but I also believe they've stocked up somebody in that room. A new guy is going to be a home run threat that I think will emerge sooner than later. And I don't know which guy it's going to be. It'd be stupid to try to predict it. But they've got three or four guys, you'd say now, Burns, who are just like burners and can be that maybe they're not a five catch a game guy, but they're that guy who has that 
58 yard play like in week three where we're writing a sidebar about them they there's somebody from that group it feels like that's gonna emerge yeah yeah so i mean (laughs) it's almost like you need somebody out of that group to have kind of like a matt harrian in 2002 type stat line where he's like you're averaging like 30 a catch you have like seven seven catches in the season or something like that and they're all Mm -hmm. they all seem to be significant like something like that um and you, they also got Billy Kemp, uh, another guy that they, yes. they've added that I, I think kind of calmed things down a little bit in my mind for that group. But um, anyways, we we diverted there. Demetrius Bell, let's talk about him real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, added out of the 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 out of Tennessee, uh, commits yesterday. Had a pretty impressive offer list, um, but it seems like they've kind of got something going. Um, in, in central Tennessee there in this class. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Yeah, they do. Um, Because Jacob Hood, who's from uh, the Portal Edition, who we can get to also in more detail, out of uh, Georgia, offensive lineman. He's from the Nashville area. Uh, Demetrius Bell is sincere, safe. I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry. Safola. He uh, he's from that area. The defensive back was at IMG Academy, but he's from Nashville area. Those three are all really tight. So as much as like even with Jacob Hood, we'll talk about the Georgia guys and their connection. It must be nice having your buddies from Georgia here. I think more than anything for like Jacob Hood, he mentioned Demetrius Bell and and sincere as guys who. They grew up playing together. He had a great quote, praying together, playing together, you know, all that stuff like that. That's who they were. So they're buddies. Um, So after Hood said he was in, it's like, well, Demetrius Bell's probably joining too. He's another guy, though, you'd put in that category of he could be a he could be a real speed weapon who 
maybe maybe that helps a guy pop on the field even while he's figuring out the finer points of playing receiver at the college level you know like you can you can be that guy who can go in for certain plays and you can be a home run threat like you're talking about who maybe they don't have high volume catches but they have they have them in the uh, large chunks and that's why I'm glad you brought up Billy Kemp because I didn't mention him and Billy Kemp's probably the thing that stabilizes everything because his resume suggests a guy who can be the high volume catcher while others develop. So that's pretty useful. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, we'll see how, well, especially at the wide receiver spot. I mean, some of these guys, a lot of these guys aren't going to be here in the spring. So right now you kind of have this just mass pack of guys that are going to be trying to win spot. I mean, basically playing for roster spots, I think. Um, you know, trying to, to earn reps and that's going to shake out however it's going to do. Uh, and, and then, you know, you're, you're adding these, these guys that are kind of the, the toolsier wide receivers, I guess would be the best way to put it uh, coming in, in in the summer um, behind them. I mean, it, it, in my mind, there's, there's like a, there's a group of maybe like four or five guys that I would put in kind of that, you know, high competition area this spring of that, that somebody needs to emerge from the Sean Hardy's okay. Victor Jones juniors, uh, generic Bonner's probably in that group, uh, as well. Um, of guys that have been around a little bit that, you know, it's that that's kind of the tough part in a transition class is you need to make an impression quickly or else you can quickly be, um, you know, replaced or recruited over. So, mm-hmm. but, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think just getting numbers and, and increasing competition is the way to do it for a new staff when you're trying to figure out who can and who can't help you. Yeah. And one thing to note is I think this was important that Matt Rule did this right off the bat. He said this in his early press conference. He said, if you're on this squad, you're my guy now. And I think that was huge to get that out there right away. He said that again. He did a really good podcast, as I expected it would be, with with Boston with the boys and and Will Compton and Taylor Lewan. And um, he mentioned that again. But that's got to be good to hear if you're like the receivers you're talking about. You know, it's like, okay, I want a fighting shot here, and I feel like they're going to get it. Like Bonner, let's not forget, like Bonner was a big time (laughs) prospect i mean he, he he's a guy who has a lot on his resume from high school that is intriguing and he was i think he popped up on the travel roster i think a time or two am i right you're kind of uh, I, I thought I think, he did yeah i think once once or twice yeah maybe i'm wrong but um victor jones jr had a had a nice rock had a nice uh, high school career down in orlando so i like the fact though that it's like hey this isn't going to be wait till we get our guys in here. You can't look at it that way. Um, and I, I, I think that's really been stressed to players. So that ha- has to encourage them. Yeah. Uh, last guy that we can hit on here before we talk a little hoops, uh, Jacob hood. Um, I was going through old rosters and the, for some reason in my mind, one of the, one of the biggest offensive linemen I remember covering at Nebraska was Jamel Phillips. Um, mm-hmm. Had a great nickname, the Big Smooth. Um, didn't stick at Nebraska long, but um, 
he was he was listed at like 6'6", 350, 355, something like that. Big Smooth and, was? Yeah. And, I wish I had that nickname. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we could. Uh, we could start nah. calling you the Big Smooth. I don't nah. know that, that it would get the desired reaction that you'd want, but... It's like Costanza um, trying to call himself T-Bone. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so Jacob Hood is a little bit bigger than Jamel Phillips, at least from what he's listed. Um, mm-hmm. So you're getting another Georgia player. A little bit of a different situation, I think, it's fair to say, than some of the other Georgia transfers. I think this is a little bit more of a long-term developmental play but you're going to bring him in and give him a shot to to try to earn some time and a little bit of a different situation too from from you know walter rouse that had started for four years and you would have you were expecting to come in and be a plug and play i i don't know that hood is necessarily that at least as we sit here on january 25th no he's more of a development guy probably but that's a fine adjustment too i mean i think if you pigeonhole yourself, if you're like Nebraska's staff where, oh, crap, we lost out on Rouse. Now we got to go find an, a replica of that out there in the portal. Well, good luck with that. You know, good luck finding that three or four year starter. That's why it was going to be such an amazing poll, actually, that Nebraska, we thought they could even get three guys with the guy from Baylor um, and then Rouse and and um, Scott uh, from Arizona State. So. They, they moved on and they said, you know what, this is a guy who Kirby Smart thought he was good enough to come, you know, play for them. Nebraska's, I think, got good intel into the Georgia program on guys. Uh, he is a worker in, from the fact that, I mean, we have it documented on our site that when Hood was first committed to Georgia, um, at one point in his high school career, he'd been a apparently up to like 400 pounds and he lost like 50 to 60 pounds. He's, he's part of a, a a place in Nashville where that I think a guy trained some pretty good players. Um, And he's one of them. And uh, he said, he's one of the hardest workers he's had. So, I mean, there are guys who will really vouch for him and it's, yeah, just look at it as like, you got a guy who's basically a high school recruit here who was a four-star type of guy who Georgia wanted um, who is kind of starting over and yeah, he hasn't done anything yet, but either of the other guys are coming here from high school. This, he just happens to be someone who has like a year, uh, a year runway on that. That's basically it. Yeah. The, the, the thing that it does too, I mean, he's a four for four guy, so he's a little bit ahead of that crop, that next crop of guys that rule and his staff brought in. He's, um, you know, a few years behind the Ben Hart's, the Prohaska's, the the Corcoran's, those guys that have kind of been counted on at Nebraska for a little while. So it's it's kind of like that middle filler in the class that Nebraska doesn't there, – there's some positions where I think they really need help there, whether it's via JUCO transfer, et cetera, where you know, they've just had guys leave and, and don't have that kind of next, next up guy to kind of throw into the mix. And yeah, I – let me ask you this. So the, the next portal window opens in mid-April. You get guys get 15 days to enter and then they, you know, have to make a decision. They can make a decision after that. But if I set the over-under at 1.5 for the number of Georgia commits that Nebraska adds before the start of fall practice, would you take the over or would you take the under on that? <laughs> 
in the next in the next window. Um, yeah, I don't think probably, they're done. Okay. Yeah, you said that with someone who knows stuff. Um, I I guess I'll take the under, but uh, you you're uh, you're caught the sort of the smug way you said that. You know, you said that with like a <laughs> way just, like I'm I know smug. Something. No, I, I mean I smug I think by that, nature. Just I'm just generally smug. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, I, I think that Nebraska has – Nebraska and Georgia, I think, have some kind of connection there. I mean, obviously, Fran Brown is down there. I I think that Matt Rule looks at Georgia as a program of, like, these guys have won back-to-back national championships. Guys in that program know what it takes. I am willing to bring those guys into my program as well. Like, I, it mm-hmm. just I – w- I would not be at all surprised if they're not done. Trev Albert said that on the radio the other night uh, without bringing up Georgia specifically. He said the portal ain't all bad. You got to – he didn't say it specifically like that. He used better grammar. But he uh, um, he said, you know, you got five-star guys who are starting and you have four stars behind them and they're not playing and guys want to play. And yeah. uh, so there's, there's opportunities there. Um, and, yes, the guys who went through whatever – goes on in the background at Georgia probably aren't going to be stunned by anything that really happens in Nebraska as far as like, you know, workouts and stuff. I mean, it seems like they've been through it. So, um, and also you have to think we've talked about this before. Nebraska is a good landing spot, probably as far as Kirby smart is concerned. Cause right now Nebraska has got to build for a while and they're not in their conference. So, well, yeah, that's like a, good program to like send your guys like i'm not saying that he's intentionally like yeah you know like trying to do that but if i were him i'd be like yeah that'd be a fine spot for him to land you where you don't want a guy to end up unless you just don't think he can hurt you is uh you know across the the border at a school that's gonna play it you know in october so i i think there's probably appeal from both sides to this connection he just uh, the second a Georgia guy hand, enters the portal, he immediately gets handed a, a t- airplane ticket to Lincoln. Just we're not, <laughs> Check not it out. We're, we're not saying you need to go here, but you, you should take a look, have a have a little look see. You want to know something else? I it was not as in people's face, maybe, but it was uh, subtle. Um, this last weekend, like I saw full, Nebraska's own Twitter account did it, and Ed Foley, the special teams coordinator, did it as well, where he showed they were showing the playoff game that was going on in the cold and uh, the snow on the ground in Buffalo. And it's like embrace the cold. And of course, you've got guys from the Southeast and stuff who are in town and, and all in Texas. And uh, I, I love when Nebraska leans into that. And I, I think the staff would, you know, they guys who have been in the NFL are going to tell these prospects, look, you want to play big time football. You should come to a place like Nebraska. You should come to a place where you have to play a game once in a while when it's 23 degrees. Cause guess what? You're going to play some at the next level and get that in guys head. So I like, they were doing that too. Well, they're going to, they're, they're moving they're The NFL supposedly wants neutral site games. So it's gotta it's gotta happen happen quick embrace the cold now while our you man, can our man zach taylor uh took a sledgehammer yeah. to that and kind of had some fun too in the post game about it i like that yeah man zach taylor 
He's a, he's just on a roll. Like, uh, not only obviously what they're doing on the field, but he's just like, I mean, he had, first off, he handled a serious situation uh, with DeMar Hamlin as excellent as a person could. Yep. And then just the stuff that's not important, but is interesting is like, after he wins, he like goes into bars like across yeah. and just gives out a football and stuff. He's like a man of the people. It's just <laughs> awesome to watch. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, we got off topic a little bit there, but this no, Zach why... Taylor talk is good, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's say this too. Like Cam Taylor Britt's having a hell of a rookie year. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not surprised at that one. I'm not very no. smart, as you know, but I am not surprised at that. No. I mean, he from the the time he got to Nebraska, you're like this guy is just got guys guys that are wired just a little bit different. You can tell right away, and uh, as long as like the the physical stuff and learning that position matched up well, I mean, he was gonna be he was gonna be a guy that you needed to know. I think I think that was pretty easy to tell when he was a freshman. It was a Friday night lights camp or something. And um, he was there. I don't think he'd played yet. Knew he was a great athlete. And, you know, there's that fence that separates, like, the field from the the concrete and the stands and stuff. And it's not the highest fence. It's just a normal fence. But he was standing right up next to that red fence. People all know what I'm talking about. And he did, like, a box jump. So there was no, like, running start. He was just, like, (laughs) which, like, if I did that, of course, I would kill myself. You'd clear it. (laughs) <laughs> there would be there would be surgery required on probably the place you don't anyway where you don't want to have surgery and uh cam taylor Britt did it not that he cleared the fence was not a shock to me because he's a great athlete but it was like i mean two a foot and a half above it or something it was just like wow i was like that guy's a freak but yeah. uh awesome to see um and let's talk about one more, though. Um, this is changing back to recruiting. Uh, Lafotu. Yeah. The defensive Sua. lineman, Sua, out of California. He also was on a visit. Our guy, Greg Biggins, has had good contact with him about that. It sounded promising. Yeah. he's And it's uh, his story is, is – kind of unique. He had a, a knee injury early in his high school career, sophomore year that kind of bled over a little bit into how much he played his junior season. He was committed to Washington um, from basically last summer up until November and then opened his recruitment. And he goes to St. John's Bosco in Southern California, which is about as close to a football factory as you can get. He was part of a seven man rotation along the defensive line with other, you know, elite power five type guys. And, you know, I, I think maybe didn't get the chance as much to kind of shine given that, but, um, you know, a guy that plays really well with his hands. I think he's a little bit of a late bloomer, but um, where things stand now, uh, he visited Nebraska this past weekend. He was talking about potentially visiting either Indiana or Weber state. He had a teammate that was going to go to Weber state this weekend. Um, I don't know that either of those is still on right now, but um, I, I think Nebraska is in a good spot there to potentially sweep their last, the, the basically last week's visitors for commitments. But, um, you know, adding a little bit more defensive line depth, 
I think is, is really key for Nebraska and especially guys that you can kind of coach up and bring along a little bit because that's, that's the position I think where you can do that um, and, and, and lean on a guy like Terrence Knighton to, um, to, to bring those guys along. So I think Nebraska is in a good spot there, but um, no, no decision from him as of uh, Wednesday. I think that might actually end up being a signing day decision. Tony White has pretty good uh, recruiting connections in California too. Um, yes. So, I mean, he's going to know, he's going to know about guys like that who are at a, the, the Bosco is number one, I think in max preps, like, yeah, in the country I mean, this past they're loaded. year. Yeah. So, uh, but that's where you you have to have the intel and the you know the um, past relationships with guys to know like okay, what's the sixth or seventh guy on your at that position look like because he could be pretty good still, uh, especially if he had an injury as is this case. The Weaver State thing you mentioned is just kind of interesting to me. I I, I was thinking about how we should do a story sometimes when it's quiet about. Uh, guys Nebraska's lost to like sort of odd programs okay there's been a couple like I um didn't Willie Taggart steal one one time um like Western Kentucky or something yeah but it, anyway then you get into the whole debate it, it, then you get into the well we didn't really want him anyways that yeah kind of a there thing. would be that we, there we would dropped him um yeah. <laughs> um so do, do we have anything else on football? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I mean, the other only other thing of note, well, there is this from from the weekend is uh, Jason Machachek, Machachok, Machachok. Jason. Oh Machachok. yeah, yeah. This is good. Yeah, we you should chat about this a little bit. He's probably going to be on the defensive line. It sounds like. Um, I mean, that's where the momentum is. We'll see, but. That was a switch from like a week or so ago uh, because he was kind of thinking O-line was where it might be. He really liked playing O-line too. His dad played it and was very good at uh, Shadron State. I think he's in the Shadron State Hall thing. Um, but yeah, he Jason, um, he is incredibly strong. Like he did uh, 27 reps of 225, he said, which is would like stack up really well at the combine. Um and he uh, wants to hit 30. So, I mean, he's got, he's he's going to arrive in May with already, like, strength in the weight room that matches most guys. But the fact that they're talking about him as defense and plugging him in all these spots on the D-line was interesting. He really liked how Tony White and Terrence Knighton were sort of explaining the different roles he could own there. And I think it got him kind of excited about it. So, him and Mason Goldman were both prospects from the last class who were listed as OLDL, either one sort of guys. We'll see what they do with Goldman. But that's sort of a, de- a development there. I wouldn't even call it a minor development for people who follow the you know roster closely and where guys are at. Uh, it might be defense for him. Yeah. And, and when you when, when you kind of look at what you know the needs are, um it feels like the depth is a little bit better on the offensive line right now than the defensive line. So at least immediately, I think it would make a little bit more sense to, to start him over on defense and just kind of see how that goes. My last football question. Did you listen to the podcast he did with busting with the boys? Did you, have you listened to it through? I, I have not. No. Okay. 
All right. Well, then I won't even go there. I was going to ask you if there was something. That... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to to, to mess up no. the question. No, I I didn't know if you had heard it yet, and if there was anything that stood out. I I'm like halfway through it, so. Okay. Um, was there anything that that I should be looking for, or that people that that stood out to you? I think the thing that will get the most run is him saying he wouldn't have a camera inside his uh, meeting rooms or whatever, which is. <laughs> Maybe was a little that a shot, too? Yeah, a little shot, um, yeah. which people around here will appreciate. I can't wait for that frigging game in Boulder. I can't wait for it. It's gonna be, you're gonna have so much like, I mean, first off, both teams have a tough like game beforehand. You know that Colorado plays TCU, who is going to be rebuilding completely, but they play TCU and Nebraska plays Minnesota. But man. I have to think one of the, you know, that we're not big national pregame TV guys. People listen to this podcast. We don't watch them a lot, but I have to think like big noon kickoff or college game day is going to be in Boulder for that. One of them. Yeah. It's, it, it's going to be fascinating too. I mean, when you talk about Nebraska's roster turnover, like Colorado has done, has added just as many, like it, it basically between the two teams, you have a complete like new full, like 85 man team. Like that—that's how bad the roster turnovers been at Colorado and Nebraska in the off season. Like it, you're going to need a flip card because mm-hmm. nobody's going to be familiar. Might be a true road game too. <clears throat> I'm not doubting Nebraska fans; they'll take the challenge and see how many they can get in there. But those tickets are going to be ridiculously high, and it's—I don't know. It's—I don't—I can't picture. I'll, I'll put the challenge out. I can't picture it being the same as it was in uh what year was that 19 19 yeah nebraska had more fans there i think in 19 wouldn't you say oh yeah yeah for sure i i don't think it'll be that bad i think i think there's a lot of uh i think there's going to be a lot of red in the stadium that day regardless of price they're going to meet they're going to meet the mission that's put down before them that that would be funny that would be one of nebraska's prouder moments if it's like half half husker fans that'd be sort of not like in the Notre Dame where they took over Notre Dame Stadium, but with all that's been talked about, Deion Sanders, if Nebraska fans accomplished that, that would be like one of those that they're proud of for like a decade or two. Yeah. And the, the like hangover from that loss too, I feel like still sticks with people like in a pretty significant way. Like I was talking to a former player that was on that team and they, they basically were like, that's, that's the worst loss. I've ever had as a player was, was losing that game to Colorado the way it happened. And it, it was, I mean, it was bad. <laughs> I mean, there's no way around that, but. Um, I don't think one game flipped the frost era by any means, but if you wanted to just say, okay, you get to pick one game. That's like, okay, this really changed the, where the arrow was pointed. That game would have to maybe be considered because they had had such momentum that to end that previous year, remember, and there was sort of high hopes and they played a clunker of a game the first week where they couldn't, they could barely move the ball in South Alabama, but they're up 17 to nothing on Colorado and then up 10 in the fourth quarter and they give up a flea flicker, all that stuff. But anyway, that would have been, I feel like if they had won that game, you know, maybe there's a little momentum, but anyway, that's, that's old news. And, <laughs> Speaking of uh, not old news, should we transition to basketball real quick? Yeah. Who is, you know, without another key piece for the rest of the season, 
uh, Emmanuel Bandamel out with a knee injury. What? Uh, how does Nebraska get around that? Because it uh, th- that feels like a big loss, big, big, big loss. Yeah, that's one sucks because uh, Bandamel, unlike Gary, can't play anymore. This is it. That's it for his college career. I don't think there's any. Nowadays, you're always thinking about, wait, is there a COVID exception here or something like where he can, and it's all, it's all used up. So they just have to get him rehabbed and on to like his next pro mission, you know, because I think he can play somewhere um, and make money playing this game because he's such an energy guy and such a great defender. Mm -hmm. That's what they're going to miss the most. You saw it even after he got hurt against Penn State Saturday. They lost 76-65. And Nebraska's defense has been pretty solid for most of the year. And they, Penn State shot 68% in the second half. Basically, every time down the floor got what they wanted. And Nebraska was actually playing okay on offense themselves in that game in the second half, I thought, for, for who they are. And uh, they just couldn't get over the hump because Penn State kept scoring every trip. And so you're going to miss Bandamel just because of the pressure he puts on the perimeter. He was another point guard option. And now Nebraska's point guard situation is it's pretty thin. It's Sam Grissell, um, Jamarcus Lawrence, and Sam Hoiberg is actually the third point guard. They're not going to take the red shirt off from Mel Lloyd. Um, so I guess I, I don't know on that one. Maybe there's more to it. You know, this could be useful for a guy like Ramel, I would think, to play some. But um, maybe that's not what's wanted at this point. I don't know. Um, and also he's been working more with the scout team. So that's sort of been his focus as being the pretend, you know, version of who they're playing. And so he would have to make a dramatic adjustment, but it's going to be tough. It just is. I mean, that I guess if you want silver lining and it's kind of hard right now, but it's that Denham and Jamarcus Lawrence are going to just play a lot of minutes. Denham is already playing 30 plus a game. Jamarcus is, is only going to go up. And you really hope, whatever the wins and losses are, that those two guys in particular, I think, are like, you're feeling really good as this progresses. Like, they're just getting better and better. That's the best hope. So I was asked this yesterday uh, on AM Radio 1620 The Zone about just kind of what the injuries mean for the conversation around the the season as a whole because you still have i mean fred has metrics that are not written down um for for kind of what the season looks like do you i guess how do you think that these two injuries to gary and to bandamel shape the conversation about a season where you also you know you beat creighton at home or you beat creighton on the road you almost beat purdue at home you beat iowa at home you've been competitive in a lot of big 10 games I guess what what is what do these two injuries kind of do to shape the conversation in your mind as as the season goes along for for what it kind of means for the program going forward? I think you have to it's hard to believe Trev Alberts wouldn't to have sort of a a nuanced view of it, you know, of basically it feels to me this is probably oversimplification, but Hoiberg did really changed the style of team he had this year. Like he kind of went a completely different direction. You could tell they got a lot grittier. They were going to get their finger, get your fingernails dirty type of guys with like Gary 
and Grissel and Bandamel. And sometimes it's been frustrating to watch on the offensive end because it's not like they have amazing shooters there or anything. But those guys would fight and they would make people earn it. And Nebraska was, I believe, seven and three with some big wins, Creighton included, uh, when those guys were all in the rock on in the lineup. And one of the losses was that overtime game to Purdue where it was toe to toe. So they've the as it was supposed to be, you just wish you could have seen that for a full season because I think it could have been we could have been talking about something interesting. And I, I really do believe that. Like I think they could have been a team that was on the cups, either NIT March Madness. Now it's really hard to picture that without those guys. But I do think you have to factor in the injuries and you got to say, well, is this the direct, maybe this is now the direction. And and this is why Dawson and Lawrence are so big down the stretch, because if those guys look good, if like Breidenbach started to look, he has been better of late. And if he started to look solid and then you thought, okay, maybe Gary's coming back because he could come back. Then people might think, you know, if they could add an offensive score, somebody just really special, that one guy, I would watch that. And uh, maybe that's when it, it takes off. So some people will say, hey, he's he's been around a while and, you know, the record is what it is. But other, I think there are others who will look at it like they sort of reset it this past year. And I kind of yeah. like where this is trending. And that's that might be how Trev sees it, too. Yeah, the, the roster construction this season has been markedly different than what it had been previously. I think I think the assistant coaching hires that they made, especially Howard handling the defense, have been good ones um, in, in with the guys that they've added. So uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I do wonder, you know, sometimes things like this can be like a, you know, a rallying point for, for young guys. I don't know um, mm-hmm. if you can kind of get past that. We'll see. They've got uh, Northwestern at home tonight. It's 6 p.m. on. Uh, we'll see if we'll see what they can do against the Wildcats, who knocked off Wisconsin a couple. Yeah, they're pretty ago, good actually. Off. So that's that's going to be that could be a tough matchup. But yeah, if that that would be a nice win if they got it. All right. Anything else? I'd say we covered a decent amount of ground. Okay. I don't All have right. anything more to say. So we do have a lot though on the site. There is a lot more to write. And we are writing it. There's offers always going out. There's uh, always something new every day, it seems like, isn't there? Like, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. you don't know quite what it's going to be always, but you know something's coming. And uh, that's good. This is uh, an exciting time, I think, for Husker football and uh, the recruiting. And there's just the energy there. So you, you should really come to Husker 24-7 for all the latest. We'll have it there. Uh, thanks for listening. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.